Travia, I have a theory. What is it? Everyone under drinking age on Ash is getting a little something in their water. Hmm. Or maybe it's just something about their next-gen Gen Z power. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Hold On To Your Racket, the podcast for Gen Z tennis fans. We're your hosts, Travia and Josefina. Josefina and I are so excited to be creating this podcast and sharing our love for tennis with you all. Shravi and our two high school gals and tennis fanatics united together by our on-the-court and off-the-court companionship. And we're the female Gen Z voices in modern-day tennis you've been looking for, so we hope you enjoy this episode and stay tuned for more. So, we're back with another episode of Hold On To Your Racket, and we have another U.S. Open episode coming your way. Today is September 5th, and we've had... An insane first week here in New York, and we cannot wait for week two. And we're coming back with some crazy actions, some crazy upsets, some news, which we're about to share with our headlines. And yeah, mostly the upsets because round three was absolutely insane. So first off with our hot headlines, we have Naomi Osaka possibly taking a break from tennis. So this came up on Friday after she was defeated by 18-year-old Canadian Layla Fernandez in the third round of the U.S. Open, and she held a pretty emotional press conference. Yeah, I mean, ever since withdrawing from the French Open earlier this year, um, you know, she's spoken about prioritizing her mental health. We even heard about that in her documentary, which was recorded way prior. So she's been, you know, going through this a lot. And she's been really brave and being very open and honest about, you know, her emotional and mental struggles with the sport. I mean, it's not easy. No job is easy, pretty much. And, you know, tennis is a very individual sport, even though you have your team around you. I think anyone who's played it somewhat seriously knows that it can get really, really isolating. And especially at the pro level with someone like Naomi, who has so much pressure put on her, who has also had so much success um, in, in you know the past couple of years. It's, it's sad to see, but it's also understandable. Um, and it's also key to point out that you know, this U.S. Open was her first Grand Slam since taking that mental health break. And we also remember the Olympics didn't go that well for her either. And she was the defending champion here at the U.S. Open. And both times or all times when she's, you know, kind of come back to a Grand Slam as a defending champion, it's been kind of difficult for her. But, you know, in the first round where she was playing Marie Buskova, she had a pretty solid win, 6-4, 6-1. She you know, got a like a walkover in her second round. So we didn't really see that much going on, but obviously it was still early stages. But then it was in that match versus Leila Fernandez where we really saw how, you know, after she lost her serve when trying to serve for the match, it kind of all crumbled from there. And you could see that in the way that she was behaving. Yeah, so basically what had happened was that she was serving for the match at 6-5 in the second set, and then Layla broke for the first time in the match and took it to a tiebreak. And then in that tiebreak, Osaka eventually fell behind 0-5, and throughout she was flinging her racket, and she even got a warning from the umpire after hitting a ball into the stands. 
And then later she reflected on it saying, I was telling myself to be calm, but I feel like maybe there was a boiling point. Like normally I feel like I like challenges, but recently I feel very anxious when things don't go my way. And I feel like you can feel that. And then after that, she was never able to pick her game back up after the tiebreak. And then she lost the final set 4-6. So... We definitely... it's, it's not even it's not even like that lot like Layla Fernandez is, was playing amazing tennis it wasn't really that like I think her losing to Layla Fernandez that is as no it sad was definitely an individual fans. like internal it's more thing. just like seeing how much she was struggling on court her behavior like that's not Naomi like Naomi doesn't do that that's so unlike her and you could clearly see that she's you know struggling with something she's not happy on the court and it it was tough to see, you know, especially as an Osaka fan myself, but also just, like, um, from the mental health context and knowing that it's such an individual sport and knowing what she's all gone through. Like, yeah, her behavior wasn't great, but, and, you know, you can't really excuse that because, I mean, every player has their moments, but, you know, obviously that moment wasn't a great one, but... I think it's it was really heartbreaking to see that she was struggling there, but I think it was even more heartbreaking to hear what she said in her press conference. Yeah, I feel like we haven't really seen the direct like effects of what she's been talking about, and then finally we saw it here, like how she talked about how her outbreak on court was directly correlated to the anxiety that she's been feeling recently. I think that was really something that it kind of, it gave kind of light to what she was going through and what she still is going through. So she actually had that tearful press conferences where she said, I feel like for me recently when I win, I don't feel happy. I feel more like a relief. And then when I lose, I feel very sad. I don't think that's normal. And again, her complete attitude about tennis has shifted. Even if she is like having a bunch of success, it's still... Like, it doesn't feel like success for her. That's what she's trying to say. Like, how we view her is not how she views herself. And she said, this is very hard to articulate. Basically, I feel like I'm kind of at this point where I'm trying to figure out what I want to do. And honestly, I don't know when I'm going to play my next match. And then she started tearing up and she said, I think I'm going to take a break from playing for a while. That, watching that really broke my heart. I remember watching that. I texted you about it. And, you know, we were just both really sad. But I just think that, you know, look at Ash Barty. Like, a few years ago, she decided that, you know, she wasn't... She was feeling really isolated playing. She wasn't feeling that great playing. She took a year off and played freaking cricket. And she came (laughs) back. And look at her now. Like, I think that that's something that's, you know, understated. We've seen Dominic Thiem also speak out about his kind of... Some of his mental struggles this year about not really feeling fully ready to go back on court um why does this always happen after the u.s open like what is this tournament doing to people yeah but i think that you know silver lining after thinking about this for a while like naomi needs to do what you know she needs to take her time and do what she feels like doing do what she loves to do take some time off and wait until she finds that love back for the game because that's something that's not something that you lose you know you don't lose your love for tennis or something like that she hasn't lost that she just kind of needs to rediscover it I think and honestly Mm -hmm. she just needs to do what's right for her this was as you know we're both big Osaka fans as you know but regardless of that you know we just need to be there to make sure that 
you know, just support her in whatever she wants to do. What was tough to hear, I think, in that press conference was because she's so young. To it feel like it, it's really sad to see that much pressure already put on her when she's really kind of just at the beginning of the peak of her career. Yeah. So, I was definitely thinking. My first thought when I heard that press conference was, "Oh my gosh, is she retiring? No, like retiring honestly, early?" Yeah, and I, which I really scared me. It. Yeah, I thought about it. I'm like, she's 23 years old. Yeah. So I think a break, like, she knows. I think she's also feeling like a break is what she needs. And, I mean, you know, that I think that'll serve her well. Because her talent, we've seen her on the tennis court. This girl can, I think, personally, out of everyone else, she's the one. She's just one notch above. Um, And we've seen that on the tennis court when she's you know we remember her what was it like 23 match win streak yeah like she really is is one of those few wta players or players in general who's one notch above everyone else um but i mean we do want to kind of go back to how she did release that kind of hopeful and super honest statement on instagram or on social media right before the u.s open um, but she really still is struggling. Uh, she said, I know I give my heart to everything I can, and if that's not good enough for some, then my apologies, but I can't burden myself with those expectations anymore. Seeing everything that's going on in the world, I feel like if I wake up in the morning, that's a win. That's how I'm coming. So she's going through a lot, and yeah. I think she just needs a break. Yeah, of course, like we're saying, like her behavior in that match, it doesn't deserve to be excused because everybody else gets the same consequences but at the same time I feel like it's important to understand her side of the story because there was so much leading up to her outbreak on court and there's so much it's so much bigger than just that match because she's been struggling for a couple of years and she's only recently opened up about it since she took that break after right before the French Open so, yeah, we're just, you know, like always, we're here to help you understand all sides of the story so that you can take your pick and finally realize that we're right. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to cap off Hot Headlines with something a little bit uh, on the more brighter side. So the U.S. Open celebrated U.S. Open Pride Day on September 1st. I thought it was really great to see them celebrating that and dedicating a whole day to that. Um, I was actually at the U.S. Open that day, I think, you were two, yeah. You were I two. I don't think I was. Oh, I don't. Oh, think okay. I was. Well, I I was there that day, and um, it was actually a really crazy invite. I mean, crazy in a good way. Like, they really went all out. You know, everyone was wearing rainbow wristbands. They had rainbow lights. They had like the staff wearing t-shirts. Um, so it was a really awesome environment. I think it was really great to see them elevate that level of support and bring it to that big stage. But. There was also a lot of interesting questions asked during press conferences towards the players, especially ATP players. So tennis journalist Matt Roberts, you might know him from the tennis podcast, um, asked several ATP players about the lack of any openly gay players on the ATP tour and what their reactions would be if a player were to come out. Yeah, so this included, you know... Francis Tiafo, Felix Ojeraliasim, Medvedev, Tsitsipas, and they all expressed that they would be open and supportive of it, of course, which is great to hear because, I mean, I would expect nothing less. 
And then Felix Auger Aliassim actually said, I've started a survey, doing a survey inside the ATP about the LGBTQ plus community. And I think it's important these days to be aware of that, to be open-minded. And the ATP needs to do that in today's time. It's needed. And the reason why we don't have openly gay players on the ATP tour, I'm not sure of the reason, but I do feel that me as a player would be very open, very welcome. <laughs> Here, I, kind of, I thought that he was coming out in a way because he was like you know if I was gay I would feel welcome but I realized like after like registering it I was like wait no he's saying that if someone were to come out he would be supportive he also has a girlfriend so I don't (laughs) think he's gay Josephina but um I mean, I think it's great to see that Felix is taking this initiative and starting this survey. I mean, this is part of an ATP's, you know, their new LGBTQ plus research survey. I have heard a little bit about it. I'm still unclear on the specifics. Um, we'll try to look into that a little bit more. But um, it's basically a part of one of the ATP's new initiatives to try to do more research into its internal environment and see kind of, you know, what may be some barriers to why there aren't any ATP players who are openly gay. I mean, as Felix put it, he said, statistically, there should be some. I don't yeah, know why, honestly. but I found the way, <laughs> the way I, I don't know why, but the way that he phrased that I found kind of funny. But he's right. I mean, there, you know, as he said, statistically, there should be some. And on the WTA, we have uh, a few who are openly lesbian or openly bisexual um like i think people like daria kazakina allison van van i don't know how to say her name greet minin um those are some that come to mind and then of course we have the legend herself billy jean King. king exactly yes um and you know obviously it's probably something to do with the ATP's culture, the culture of male sports that may be preventing that, you know, feeling of a safe environment. So I think it's really nice to see that they're doing this initiative because this is something uh, really important. And I think we talk about this a lot, but tennis often acts or, and often is a torchbearer in terms of, you know, social activism and all that in the sporting world. So kind of these genuine initiatives like this one that Felix has started and the ATP has pursued with this LGBTQ uh, research survey, I think is an example of a true act towards really trying to make some um, positive change and really take some good action. Okay, so now that those hot headlines are out of the way, let's get into the tennis talk. As always, um, as Josephina said, it's September 5th. We just wrapped up the first week. Um, Today we did a few of the round of 16 matches, but, you know, we're still kind of doing that little transition into the later stages of the tournament. So we kind of want to highlight what has gone on so far, what we can expect, and who's really being impressive. So... Before the third round, on the, we're going to start with the WTA side, but before the third round, no top 20 WTA player lost in the first two rounds, which was really impressive. You talk about, you know, people complain about the WTA's lack of consistency. Well, I would say that this WTA draw right now overall is really showcasing this year's strongest players. The ATP draw is really the one that's in a mess um, for, you know, in some sections. But, you know, we did have some major upsets on the WTA side. So we obviously discussed Leila Fernandez defeating Naomi Osaka, the number three seed and defending champion earlier. But we also had Shelby Rogers 
beating Ash Barty, the number one seed, the top favorite to win the tournament in an insane match. You know, this broke our hearts. Like, we are hardcore Barty Party fans. Yeah, no, my heart is, um, I left it on Ash, with Ash. Yeah, and exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and now it's in Ash's. <laughs> <laughs> That really hurt. We're going to discuss that in a little bit, but let's first start with the first, you know, another section of that top quarter, which is Barty's quarter, but is now Iga Shriantek's quarter. Yes. So here we have Iga, the seventh seed, Belinda Bench, 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 (laughs) the 11th seed, Shelby Rogers, and Emma Raducanu. So... We have Shriantek versus Benchage coming up in the round of 16. So they're both where they should be. They are the highest seeds in that section of the draw. So Shriantek had a great match defeating Annette Contivate in the third round. And Annette Contivate was playing some great tennis. So that really That was shows. such a good match. Yeah. I was watching that and it was very impressive from Iga. Yes. And and then Benchich is also looking in top form. She defeated Jessica Pagula in straight sets. So this should definitely be an interesting match. And their last and only meeting was the Adelaide final where Shriantek won 6-2, 6-2. So we can't say we're hoping for a repeat of that. But we can say that we are hoping for a repeat of that. Yeah, I mean, Adelaide was a little bit before Benchich really picked up her form where she, you know, kind of carried that through to the Olympics and is continuing to carry that through. I mean, we're biased anyway, so why not just say it outright? We're rooting for Iga yep. Um, yep. all the way yep. <laughs> uh, for many reasons. Um, but I hope she can pull through. I think she's also part of the... People are forgetting how young she is. I think, you know, all this hype around Alcaraz, Brooksby, Raducanu, Fernandez... Iga is literally, isn't she still, she's 19 no, or 20. Like, I think she's she just like, turned 20. She's just as old as Jensen Brooksby. I just think that the fact that she's already established herself and continues to yeah. establish herself is just continuing to be impressive. And I believe she has reached the round of 16 at least at every single major this year. So yeah. um, that is really, really impressive. Yeah, and she's really making a name for herself. The other part of this quarter, we've got Shelby Rogers versus Emma Raducanu. No one really saw this coming, but also I, like, no, I'm surprised, but we've talked about Shelby as a dark horse, like, for the past year now, in pretty much every single tournament. Like, we always kind of try to sneak in the fact that she's really, you know, always able to come through, and Raducanu's been red hot these past few months. Um, As far as Shelby Rogers defeating Ash Barty, they've met... I think four times already this year or like yeah, four yeah. times and every single time has been pretty close. She has bothered Ash Barty a lot in their matches. She's the world number 43, the 23 28 year old American and she actually did really well at the US Open last year. If you remember, she reached the quarterfinal before losing to Naomi, but the comeback that she pulled off on Arthur Ashe Stadium yesterday was incredible. Wow. Yeah, she was down 2-5 in the final set. And then, of course, she found that encouragement from the home crowd. Wow, like, come on. These people, like, they practically booed Andre Rublev off the court when he was playing Tiafo. <laughs> and then, oh my god, I was, um, when I was at the US Open earlier this week, I was passing by the Bublik-Jack Sock match, and the crowd was fully chanting, USA, It's a little, it's a little scary. Yeah, It's a little no, scary. Feel, like, we're both American. slightly unsafe. Yeah, we're, so we're, I left. We're both... A- we're both American, but, like, I'm sorry. We just 
can't vibe. No, it's just because they can't. Of... It's just because they can't pronounce uh, countries like Poland or Kazakhstan. It's exactly. that's it. That's the problem. That's it. Yeah. That's really it. So, um, <laughs> anyways, <laughs> after trashing on that, um, so Shelby Rogers took it to a deciding tiebreak and clinched seven five in that tiebreak. So, wow, that that just mental fortitude. It really shows you what the sport is about. It is heartbreaking though, because Ash did serve for this match twice, and you know, yeah, she's a, but she's it's a pretty okay. decent Shh, server. It didn't happen. It didn't it's happen. Okay. But I will say, I was heartbroken after that match. I was, yesterday, I, I spent the whole day at home watching tennis. My throat hurt so much from screaming at the yeah. TV. Yep. Because I started the day off too stressed to watch Berrettini. So I was tracking him on live scores. But then once he would start, like, getting close to winning a set, they would all, they would show him on TV again. So then I would be watching and screaming. <laughs> or, like, even if I track live scores and stuff that he won, I would literally be screaming and clapping so loud. My mom can attest to this. So I was already tired and, you know, my stress levels were through the roof. And then Ash Barty comes along and I have to start clapping super loudly my hands are tingling and i'm screaming at the tv again and when she lost i was like i i started cursing a lot i was really sad um (laughs) but but what did make me happy was the really amazing display of sportswomanship at the end of this match yeah so barty said it sucks in tennis that there's a winner and a loser every single day but sometimes you don't mind losing to certain people i think shelby her personality and her character she's certainly one of those for me but but imagine all that in an australian accent so much better right and and with ash's adorable baby face and smile she looks that i just you just reminded me of that picture of her when she was little she looks exactly the same yes i love her so much and then shelby rogers had even more amazing words to say for ash barty Quote, she is one of the most professional people I've ever met in my life, as well as a good person, a funny individual. Just refreshing to see. She's super down to earth. I mean, she's one of my favorite people. I almost started crying reading this, but there's more. I can't say how much respect I have for her and what a great representative she is for women's tennis. I want to speak to what she's done this season. I think a lot of people are taking it for granted. She hasn't been able to go home since February, you guys. That's insane. I mean, she's resetting on the road. She's worked through some injuries on the road. She's won five titles. She's remained number one. I mean, this girl is everything every player wants to be, you know. Honestly, I could do this for another 20 minutes. But, I mean, she's one of my favorite people. So, anytime I get to give her a hug, I try to take the moment. Oh, my God. Guys! I'm literally already in tears. (laughs) That was so sweet. Travia barely got through reading that, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) yeah yes there was more too i had to cut out some of the middle because it was too long but please read that whole thing on the wta website if you can so unfortunately we have to talk about emma radicana now stop you can't say that (laughs) okay but i think the people should know let's explain our like i just think i just think i just think we're a little salty because We've kind of we kind of mentioned Carlos Alcaraz in our ATP season recap episode last year. 
if you remember that. And then we had we kind of have been t- We've kind of been talking about Jensen Brooksby here and there for the past few Layla months. Layla Fernandez. We've been talking about Layla Fernandez for a while now. Yeah. This Emma girl comes out of nowhere, and we yeah. can't take credit for the fact that we at least decided to mention no, her No, honestly, bit. like, she had no right to go against the Hold Down to Your Racket podcast. I just... But no, her, the tennis that she's been able to produce is really freaking amazing because yeah. I think at Wimbledon, wild card, reached the round of 16, people were like, oh, okay, home crowd, really feeling the vibes, like doing well, you know, this is going to be a great result for now. Oh, Don't wait, know if she's gonna I back just it forgot she's not American. Okay, anyways. <laughs> but, but now that she's been able to back it up, I think people are really like... I'm getting kind of scared, to be honest. Yeah, That she's going to really be like, like, what if she wins this whole thing? Shh. Like, I don't know if I'm ready for that. I don't know. Again, we don't really have anything against her. It's just the fact that, like. She went against her, like, power. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, but let's talk about how amazing her tennis has been. And she honestly has been really sweet um, throughout, you know, interviews and all that. So, she again we don't really have anything against her we're just kind of it's just it's just a new name that we're trying to get used to yeah yeah and we're not doing very well of that very good with that so uh so basically she was a qualifier so she had to play more matches before this and then now this is back-to-back grand slam round of 16s for her starting with wimbledon and now at the u.s open and she has yet to drop a set since qualifying. So, I mean, if that's not dominant tennis, I don't know what is. And then her most impressive win was against Sarah Cerebus Tormo, who, like we've said before, uh, has somehow become one of our favorites. At first it was ironic, and then it got serious. And now we love her with, like, all our hearts. And <laughs> she lost to Emma Raducanu. Zero six one six, and you know that's just another reason that Emma's just not getting on our good side. So yeah, yeah. So we have every right. And then she, she as an Emma, also commented on feeling inspired by Carlos Alcaraz, Leila Fernandez, and Jensen Brooks being in this tournament. I mean, it's pretty cool to see this like this little group of like. I know. Gen Z I want kids. them to go out to, I want them to go out to dinner together. Yes. I feel I need like them all Layla to be best friends. Okay, wait, wait. I feel like Layla would be like the most bubbly and talkative of them. And I think she and Carlos would vibe to be honest. I feel like Carlos also gives off those like shy at first but comes out of his shell kind of vibes. I think Jensen would kind of feel like really awkward. He's a little awkward, yeah, yeah. But like he would like laugh at jokes and stuff and Emma would like try to make him feel comfortable, you know? And Emma would just be this sweet, mature one. She would be the one ordering for the whole table i this is so spot on <laughs> okay wait but like this is so accurate wait but you got something wrong because you have to like fit us into there oh yeah that's <laughs> true that, that is we'll sit true. at the ends of the tables you know we'll, we'll tie the whole group together yeah all right let's talk about carolina pliskova's quarter this quarter is very interesting with carolina anastasia pavlyuchenkova number 14th seed maria sakari 17th seed and bianca andrescu the sixth seed and the one who's defending her... Well, I don't know if she's actually defending her. I don't really get the ranking points thing. 2019 U.S. Open champion. 
So first up, we've got Pliskova versus Pavlyonchenkova. Pliskova's been on fire, um, only dropped one set, defeated one of my favorites, Ayla Tomljanovic, very handedly, <laughs> sadly. Um, but, you know, backing up a great season with Wimbledon and the Rogers Cup final, both of those finals. And then Pavlyonchenkova, who also reached a Grand Slam final this year at Roland Garros. You know, she actually struggled to get a visa um, and had to withdraw from Cincinnati because of those visa issues to come to the U.S. So she's had a rough few weeks, but she finally got one. She arrived just before the sort of the main draw. She got to practice, you know. So it's happy. I mean, we're all kind of happy to see her fighting to stay in the U.S. and make the most best use <laughs> of her visa. Um, so I think that should be a good match. We'll see if someone can finally test Plushkova. Anastasia is another person who really has been having consistent results this year. So And this is like her best result at the U.S. Open been in quite a while so that's nice to see and then we have a blockbuster matchup in this quarter. yeah so the next match in this quarter is maria sakari versus bianca andrescu so they had an insane match in miami earlier this year where bianca edged it out seven six three six seven six to win and then i mean bianca is undefeated in new york so far so, I mean, that's pretty insane. That's quite the record to keep up. And Sakari had a very good win versus Petra Kvitova recently, as in in the last round. So, wow, this is going to be exciting. So check it out tomorrow night if you're there, which I'm going to be. So I'm <laughs> excited. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, I mean, again, as you said, Bianca's doing great in New York. Sakari's been also doing great this tournament. But we've got even more exciting tennis in the WTA side. I'm loving the WTA draw, to be honest. Yeah. In Svitolina's quarter, we had Svitolina Halep Kerber and Leila Fernandez. So Svitolina defeated Halep 6-3, 6-3. Fantastic win, honestly, because Halep's been having kind of a resurgence. I really do like that she's been finding her form again but i'm just like Svitolina, as we've been saying even I... gael made it far um you know or did pretty well versus yannick like Svitolina has really been on a roll i'm happy to see her bring that bronze medal um action here um she is going to face Leila Fernandez next. I think that's going to be a really interesting match to see how she kind of bounces back from her firepower um, yeah I'm kind of hoping, I may or might not be hoping that Layla runs out of steam, but it's okay. It's okay. For our anti-Gen Z agenda in some of these matches, it's kind of funny. No, but it's Except, just, Actually, it's literally it's, only on the WT. We're not anti-Layla. No, we're, we're not anti-Layla. Yeah, exactly. We're not because anti, we have we're her not, as our finalist. We're not, we're not anti-anyone. Yeah, we just, we just have say, our biases, which we are very, very, very bad at concealing. And not even that, you know, we're open and honest about it, you know. Exactly. Like, why bother trying? Exactly. And also, our opinions change. Like, yeah, ex- no, we're open. Like, if you give us a good reason to like someone, we will. Like, if you have been noticing, we've really been warming up to Pliskova these past few months. Not to bandwagon. Not to bandwagon. Literally just to, like... Up- we're trendsetters. Liter- <laughs> literally, literally just to appreciate her success and her grit. But anyways, Josephina, let's talk about Simona Halep's resurgence for a second. Yeah, so she defeated the recent Rogers Cup champion, Camila Georgie, who was in top shape in straight sets in the first round. But I mean, other than that, she hasn't really found her form this season, but still 
a pretty promising resurgence here, her best U.S. Open result since 2016. So, I mean, it's good that she did well comparatively at the U.S. Open, but really, this is not surprising considering the season she's had. And then the other match we have in this quarter was Angelique Kerber versus Layla Fernandez. So, again, we talked about how leading up to this match, Layla Fernandez defeated Naomi Osaka, the third seed, 5-7-6-7-6-4. And then Fernandez said, Honestly, I wasn't focusing on Naomi. I was only focusing on myself and what I needed to do. And later in the press conference, I believe, she was asked, or actually in the post-tournament, in the post-match conference thing on court, she was asked, at what point in the match did the belief come in? And then Layla responded, from the very beginning, right before the match, I knew I was able to win. And then she said also that when she saw Alcaraz win right before her, she wanted to follow suit. So that was great to see, you know, them kind of inspiring each other. And that's really what we want to see, you know, the Gen Z teaming up and passing through. Um yeah, it's like crazy we said, we're that, not like, anti-anyone. It's crazy that, like, Sissipas and Naomi, who have been, you know, in both of their respective was, They tours, were identical the matches. Young guns, the young guns kind of of their generation, I guess. Same like, ages, the rising, same seeds. The, the, That's the, crazy. Um, like, Osaka and Sissipas were, like, the young people kind of coming through and becoming, you know, establishing themselves as the next kind of elite players, which they have been. But then to see that this new group is also coming up now yeah. is, like, really, really crazy. Time flies. Um, but let's talk about Angelique Kerber. She has been playing amazing tennis. One, uh, well, now 17 out of her last 20 matches after this loss to Fernandez. But that is still insane. She defeated Sloane Stevens, 2017 U.S. Open champ, in, in a very, very good match. I was watching that match. That was fantastic. And, I mean, to see her, I mean, Sloane was also playing great this tournament. Um, but to see Kerber find that, you know, slam second week form again is really, uh, did I say Sloane or did I say Kerber? You said Kerber. Sloan. Yeah, Kerber. Yeah, Kerber. I mean, Kerber finding her slam second week form again is really promising, and I'm very happy about it. I'm a big Kerber fan and have been for a while now. But, I mean, Fernandez took this win versus Angie 4 6 7 6 6 2, so very tough. Um, but hey, she's been, you know, she's been really showcasing what she can do. Yeah. So then our next quarter is Sabalenka's quarter, where we have Krejcikova, the eighth seed, Muguruza, the ninth seed, Mertens, 15th, and Sabalenka, the second. So this is probably the most seed accurate quarter in the WTA draw. And that's not saying a lot, actually, because they're doing pretty consistently in this um, tournament. It's like, I'm not gonna, you know, not to toot our own horns, but the US Open has kind of been the best WTA tournament of this year so far. So I better not have just jinxed that, but we'll see what tomorrow brings. So anyways, Krajcikova versus Muguruza. They're, so they're actually playing right now. Do we know what the Krejcikova score is? Krajcikova is thrashing her. 6-3-3 love. Oh my goodness. That is not yeah. what I was expecting. It's, a, it's, about, it's about to be for love. I'm sad. Oh my god. I, I really like thought Muguruza painful. was gonna... Yeah. But okay. let's talk about let's talk let's talk about Krychikova's like dominance this year. I think she goes not under the radar, but she actually talked about this in a recent interview about how she still doesn't feel like despite all the success that she's had this year, 
she was actually really honest about it. She was like, she said that she doesn't feel like people want to see her. Like she, they, she, she doesn't feel like people at with other stars. Like people don't really want. There's not like full big stadiums waiting for her. You know, she's had to be playing on some outside courts a bit. Um, and she basically said that I'm happy with my level, but I want my goal is to be at a level and you know at a level of success where I'm in that position where people want to come to see me in these stadiums and I think that's actually a really cool attitude to have and nothing seems to be stopping her yeah so she's just continuing to prove herself she has yet to drop a set in this tournament and she's been quite frankly obliterating everyone she comes across so far I'm pretty sure she has not she's not lost a set no, she's not won a set by less than 6-4. Yeah, definitely. Oh, wow. Yeah, so... And then, of course, we have Muguruza, who ha- found that, you know, early season hardcore swing energy again. And she is, or <laughs> was, playing a super high level of tennis. So, that was great to see. And it's great that they're producing it's a great match. I mean, Krejcikova coming through and continuing to do what she's been doing this entire tournament is really great to see from her. But I'm sad about Muguruza. Me too. Um, especially after her great win versus Azarenka. Yes. Last but not least, we have uh, we had the round of 16 versus formal doubles partners, Elise Mertens and Arena Sabalenka. And Sabalenka took her out 6-4, 6-1, and is now probably one of the favorites at a Grand Slam, being the highest remaining seed. And, you know, this is pretty crazy because just a few months ago, before her semifinal run at Wimbledon, we didn't really see a strong Grand Slam performance from her yet. So... I mean, Elise had a great win versus Ons Jabor in the third round, but Sabalenka's just overpowered her, and she's also incredibly dangerous. And if we're looking at a potential Krejcikova versus Sabalenka matchup coming, I'm interested in that because yeah. if there's anyone who can stop each other, I think it's, like, them. them. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, ATP time. So, to kick it off, Djokovic is still chasing history, but young guns and qualifiers continue the upset. We've got our young guns, Carlos Alcaraz and Jensen Brooksby, and our qualifiers, Oscar Ote and Botik van de Zanschloop. <gasps> I loved saying that. So, quarter by quarter, let's dive into Djokovic's quarter. So, uh, Novak, actually, he got kind of tested by Nishikori in the third round, but... <laughs> fought through that and obviously still is the favorite for the title but he has quite an interesting opponent coming up next and that is Jensen Brooksby so he's been having an amazing summer in this like US Open series thing and we've been discussing this all along apparently he's quote annoying to play against but he has a great game and can really challenge anyone i mean he made the final of newport semifinals at the city open i mean what's gonna happen at the actual u.s open he's been coming through the u.s open series with great um success so he defeated taylor fritz and um Azan Karatsev and then Karatsev actually defeated Djokovic earlier this year and then Jensen defeated Karatsev and then Jensen plays Djokovic next so either this means that Jensen just took out the highest chance like the person with the highest chance of beating Djokovic or he just put himself in place as one that's more likely to beat him 
hear me out, like, the belief that these, you know, four young guns have been having this tournament and powered by each other, like, I really think, even in the first round, like, this was before all this hype, Holger Rune still had that belief to be able to, you know, I swear these stay kids in it have like bit. fairy godmothers or something. <laughs> Patrick Moradoglu is their fairy godmother. <laughs> I think that's the funniest thing I've said on the podcast. I don't think anything I've said has made you laugh that much on here. No, the worst part is that like I don't want to hurt the like the listeners' ears, so I have to like tone down the laugh, and I'm like. Choking a little bit, but I'm okay. Um, I'm okay. But I think Jensen could give Djokovic a hard time. It's also a question of stamina. Like the Fritz match and the Karatsev match were both really taxing. So I don't know how much gas he has left in the tank, but we'll see. But you know, in the bottom section of this quarter, our finalist Hubie Hercatch did not make it through. So our <laughs> bracket, our bracket is actually in shambles on the ATP side. Our WTA one is not bad though. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, we've got qualifier Oscar Ate and Matteo Berrettini <laughs> pulling through. Um, Oscar, let's talk about Oscar. He had to save multiple match points in, qual- in the qualifying rounds, and he played two deciding set tie breaks to qualify. Um, and this is his third straight slam that he's qualified for. So that is pretty crazy. And then Mateo is actually going very under the radar. He is only one of four ATP players to reach the round of 16 of all four slams this year. Um, I'm getting Iga Swiatek vibes here in terms of consistency. Like, ever since... Recovering from that ab injury and snagging that Belgrade 250 title, this guy has seriously, like, really established himself. And he said so himself in his press conference that he feels that right now he's at the level of Zverev, Tsitsipas, and Medvedev, and that he feels that they think, you know, that they, you know, they know that too, which I love the confidence. And I think while, you know, they've kind of overall had some more overall success in terms of titles and all that. I agree with him in terms of his level at the slams and in the big tournaments. Like, he's been doing pretty gosh darn well. And it is still a painful heart attack to watch his matches because I just don't watch my favorite players' matches as often as I probably should. But it's just it's just too stressful. I Don't worry. That's what I'm here for. I'm here to jinx everything. All your hopes and dreams <laughs> gone just by me saying, oh, I think they're going to win. So, our next quarter is Alexander Zverev's quarter. So Zverev was never really challenged in this tournament before Jack Sock came in and stole the first set from him in their third round encounter. But then, unfortunately, Jack Sock was forced to retire due to a right leg injury sustained in the second set. And I mean, I was watching this match on the television and (laughs) I forgot how to speak for a second. I'm okay. Anyways, um, and Sock was absolutely destroying him, and then all of a sudden he, like, pulled his hip or something. The commentators were saying something that he had, like, had a hip injury of some sort already, so apparently it started to bother him again, and it was clear that he was in a lot of pain, and that really messed him up, and then Zverev took the next two sets pretty easily, and then, yeah, yeah, so we know where that ended, 
Anyways, next for Zverev is Yannick Sinner, who's played 13 sets total in just these first three rounds, which is insane. And most recently, Yannick defeated Monfils 7-6, 6-2, 4-6, 4-6, So amazing tennis from both of them. And it's amazing to see Gael playing this level of tennis again. Once again, we suspect it to stem from the same reason that Svitolina is into the quarterfinals. But, um, you know, that's just our theory. Yeah, and I mean, love to see he and Alina both doing well. I hope he's going to cheer her on in her next match and hopefully matches. Um, but we've also got in this section Riley Opelka, the 22nd seed, versus Lloyd Harris. So Riley has not dropped a set yet. He's following up his campaign to the final in Canada at the Rogers Cup. And, you know, we've seen him do really well this year, the quote-unquote serve bot. You may have also heard about his unapproved bag, a very, <laughs> very trendy and, well, not trendy is not the right word, a very very uh, 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 fashionable, yeah. or I don't know. I mm. just love it. It's cool. Expensive pink tote bag, <laughs> pink tote bag that he's been bringing on the court with him. Apparently, the logo on it was too big, so he got fined ten thousand dollars for that, which is so stupid yeah, in my opinion. Just... That's more expensive than a coaching fine. So yeah, I don't even. Yeah, it's really ridiculous. But hey, knowing Riley. Uh, knowing his character, he really has kind of taken to it, and he actually brought the same bag, turned it inside out, and wrote unapproved on it, and brought it onto court. Love that move. Um, so I hope to see more of that bag. And his opponent, Lloyd Harris, just upset Dennis Shapovalov, the seventh seed, which I personally saw coming. I knew Dennis was going to lose that match because... I mean, first of all, Lloyd Harris has been having a really good season. He beat Shapovalov earlier this year. But Dennis is also a player who currently seems a little bit all over the place ever since Wimbledon. I'm not really sure what's going on. I hope he can find his game back. Um, But Lloyd Harris also had a good win versus Karan Kachanov in the uh, first round, who was the 25th seed and Olympic silver medalist. Uh, So Lloyd is on fire. Yes. And, you know, that I think about it, going back to Riley Opelka, I think I think he's becoming a fashion model slowly, except his strut is like onto the court. I mean, he has the height, right? So it works out. Anyways, that's just what I was thinking while you were discussing actual tennis. So <laughs> the next quarter is Tsitsipas's quarter, which is now Carlos Alcaraz's and Felix Ojeda Eliassime's quarter. So definitely the craziest match of the tournament has to go to Carlos Alcaraz defeating Stefano Tsitsipas. So they went to a fifth set tie break, which was absolute insanity. And we mentioned that we're keeping an eye on Carlos in our last episode, considering his recent form making the Winston-Salem semifinals. And I mean, Stefano's had only gracious words to say about Alcaraz after his loss, saying his ball speed was incredible. I've never seen someone hit the ball so hard. I've never seen someone play with such a good fifth set, honestly. So it's great to see that sportsmanship, of course. But I mean, Carlos, wow. The kid is 18 and playing, just producing this phenomenal tennis consistently for two matches. So... Wow. And the crowd loves him. He's now oh into gosh. the quarterfinals after beating Goyovchik. So he's, you know, on a roll. And he's going to play Felix Ogier who just defeated Francis Tiafo. But 
Let's talk about Francis Tiafo because he made a wonderful effort to reach the second week of the U.S. Open, defeating Andre Rublev, the fifth seed, which Josefina was talking about earlier. The crowd was going crazy for that. So Tiafo is also someone who really brings his game against these really good players. He kind of plays up when he faces that challenge, which is awesome. He's a great competitor. But Felix, I am so happy for this guy. Let's talk about the fact that not only has he had back-to-back amazing wins versus Roberto Bautista Agu and Francis Tiafoe to reach the quarterfinals, he's also having back-to-back slam success. And this is something that was missing from his resume before. This is new. This is, you know, a sign of maturity and growth matching his Wimbledon performance. I think that this is really something to keep an eye on because he didn't he didn't have that before. This is a clear sign of progression and progress that I'm really excited to see. And the fact that either Felix or Carlos are guaranteed to make the semis wow. is very exciting. I personally am rooting for FAA because I was kind of an original FAA fan before an Alcaraz fan. And I would just love to see Felix continue Carlos to take that has level. Time. Yeah, Carlos has they time. They both Felix do, is, but, like, Felix they, has yeah. less. <laughs> so, um, but honestly, both these guys are so sweet. And I just think that also, going back to what we were talking about earlier, about the efforts that FAA has put in, in terms of that LGBTQ plus research survey, I think that's really um, commendable. But Carlos, I mean, this kid has been the sensation of this tournament, and I think he's so humble, too. I think his reaction after beating Tsitsipas was adorable. The fact that he also had to fight through his match today shows that, you know, he's still competing. He's still in this. And the way that he changed from underdog to kind of favorite yeah, in a snap between these two rounds is crazy. But I just think that the love that the fans have been showing him is really sweet to see because he's really taking it to heart. Yeah. This kid is... Yeah. This kid is... He's a, he's a kid. He's like literally are my age pretty much um but so i think his yeah i'm very impressed yeah so that match with felix and carlos is definitely gonna be just phenomenal and then again like you were saying the way that felix has really established himself on tour and like people tend to forget not not only is he 21 he just turned 21 like he was 20 a month ago so he's he only just so young. Wine. Yeah, he's so young, and people forget because of like how many finals he's made it to. We won't talk about what happened in those finals, but how many finals he's made it to, and now reaching the round of sixteen in two consecutive slams, just phenomenal, phenomenal, amazing. So finally, we have Medvedev's quarter. So despite all the craziness, our pick to win is still holding. Super, super strong, which is great to see. He has yet to drop a set and looks totally dominant on court. And I mean, I thought Daniel Evans would give him a little bit of trouble at least, but he easily wiped him away to reach the quarterfinals. <laughs> and actually, Shravi has a little, she has a little anecdote. She did share it with me in full. Actually, her mom said, she sent me a video of your mom telling me the story. But I'll let you tell it. Yeah, so my mom was walking around the city, kind of near those hotels where all the players are staying at, and she saw that Dan Evans was walking, like, a little bit in front of her. So she started speed walking, trying to catch up to him. <laughs> he started speed walking. She started speed walking faster, and all of a sudden she caught up to him. And she turns to him, she points his finger at him, and she goes, Dan Evans? And he takes his headphones out, and he's like, yep. 
And she's like, can I get a <laughs> selfie? And he's like, sure. And she takes the most iconic mom angle horizontal oh selfie that you've ever seen. I tweeted it. It's gotten over 100 likes now. She's very happy about that. Um, but yeah, she ran into Dan Evans. But that was exciting. Daniil, on the other hand, after coming with that win, definitely still the heavy favorite to make the final out of this entire half of the draw. Let's talk about his upcoming quarterfinals opponent. I know Josefina has something to say about this, which I will leave till the end, but let me give you a little bit of a kind of rundown on Botik van de Zanshoop. So he's a qual- <laughs> I love- oh my god, I love saying that name. Wait, wait, wait. Teach me how to say it. Teach me how to say it. What is- Botik van de- Van? Van? Zanshoop. <laughs> I don't even know if I'm saying it right. It sounds right, but I could be wrong. But this guy hasn't had- an easy path. He came from Qualities. He has not had a, had a straight sets win at all in this entire tournament. He lost the first set of every single one of his matches from Qualities to main draw, except in today's match versus Diego. And he's taken out taken out seeds Casper Rude and Schwartzman, which is bittersweet for us because we love those two guys. But I'm here for his success. I mean, the stadium was going crazy. It's insane that he still has the stamina and the game for all this. I love to see it. But I fear, I fear we have a really, really, really concerning problem on our hands. Josefita is heavily, actively, profusely thirsting for Botic. <laughs> And I need someone to make it stop. No, like, but please, you don't understand. I don't understand. No, but I do understand. Like, there's two huge components working no, their but way you into fi- this. But it's not just the tennis. You actually, like, find him attractive. Okay, but I already said that he looks like an actor that I really like. First of all. Okay? So that's like an a actor? Karen Kachano of Liam Hemsworth reason. Okay, okay so it makes sure. sense. It's the actor that he looks like. Yeah. <laughs> so, but the other reason is maybe I was just trying to, you know, comfort myself that the fact that Schwartzman lost because, like, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that caused me so much pain because when he won the fourth set, I was like, I was just sitting on my stairs waiting for my mom to leave the house, and I was up on my feet, almost slipping and like crashing, tumbling the entire way down. So, um, yeah, that was definitely a little painful, but you know, it's okay. It's okay because, you know, this guy, this guy is through. Yeah. Anyways, that's all I have to say on that. We'll keep you posted if she continues to thirst over him. (laughs) And I think she will. Thank you so much for joining us, and that is game, set, and match for today. If you like this episode, please let us know and stay tuned for more. We'll be providing you all the coverage of the 2021 U.S. Open and, of course, all the tea on tour. Email us at holdontoyourracket at gmail.com for any questions and leave a rating on whatever platform you're listening on. Hold On To Your Racket is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Follow us on social media at Hold On To Your Racket on Instagram and at H-O-T-Y-R underscore Tennis Pod on Twitter. Our next episode will be released as the U.S. Open enters its very final stages and a winner emerges. And remember, my name is Josefina. And my name is Stravia. And if you enjoyed this episode, make sure to hold on to your racket until next time.